I'm Kevin Coleman at the boys underscore 22. I am Jeff Bell at for whom Jay Bell tolls. And I am Christian Williams at C Williams NFL. And this is the Debbie Royale. I do this day in and day out all night long. Yeah. This is all I think about. This is all I care about. Y'all all I care about. Let's go, man. It's here. We televised. So you know we got to show out. Yeah. They talking junk. So you know we got to put them to sleep. Yeah. Let's go, man. Let's go. go play. Let's go. We do this every day. We work too hard. Day in day like I told y'all. They'll do what we do. They'll do what we do. They never know what we did. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Debbie Royale. Tonight, we're going to be picking some college football games. We've got the bowl games underway, so we'll be talking about that. We're going to be looking at some stars and sleepers. But before that, we're going to dive into some college football news. A little bit different uh, for our first topic right now. I don't know if you may notice, but Urban Meyer was fired. Uh, there was some talk about this going on. Uh, you know, he, he, he called out a kicker, which back in the day, I didn't think that was a big deal. Uh, but I think there's this narrative. So there's a couple of things we're going to talk about. Urban Meyer, why did it why did it fail? And, and Jeff has pretty good insight there. Uh, he had to watch him, unfortunately, for the last, you know, when he was at Ohio State. And then can this college coach make this transition to NFL? Because I think there's a lot of talk about it, uh, whether they can do it or not, those type of things. And obviously some can, but some can't. And I think there's some dynamics there. So, Jeff, what is your initial reaction about Urban Meyer? I thought that he had a chance to succeed because he's a he's a program builder. And and what Urban is able to do is get players who have failed in the past to believe in themselves, to build themselves up and perform above and beyond. I think that probably where the failure was is he left his infrastructure in Columbus and those guys didn't go with him to Jacksonville. And so, you know, we saw the story with the, I'm blanking on the name, but the former Iowa strength coach that he had tried to hire and then got fired immediately. I think it was just a sense of when you're dealing with um, 18, 19, 20 year old kids, and especially kids that have been in losing situations and you're coming in here with a big name they're going to buy in as, as like this guy knows what to do. Like let's buy in and let's go with it. Whereas you're dealing with NFL athletes and this guy comes in with a big name and a big ego, they're not going to buy in on it. And they're, they're going to stiff it out real quick. And I think that that's schematically, you know, this is probably more the topic of like co college coaches going to the NFL, but schematically urban has not been on the front forefront of scheme in, in college, in football period in nearly 20 years. He did a great job of blending the spread offense with the old triple option offense and, and creating like the spread power run option. And that was a lot of what, what you know, that was his system. That's what he built up. And, that's all football is caught up to that and he hasn't progressed beyond that. And so when you're not bringing a progressive scheme into the NFL and you're really trying to do things that are almost high school level now, because it's just the sport has changed that much. 
it, you what advantage are you bringing in when players aren't buying in you're not bringing in scheme advantage your infrastructure advantage doesn't matter your recruiting advantage doesn't matter and ultimately it was the ego that got to him now i i'm part of me wonders if he really even wanted to do this in the first place because he had it was pretty comfortable before and when he left ohio state there are whispers that it wasn't on the best terms because while we can see his personality and Michael Drake, the president of Ohio state is not the type that is going to really buy into that. And so there were whispers around that it was a retirement slash. We encourage you to retire. And that's probably some unsubstantiated stuff, but uh, there's just, it's too big of an ego. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this is one that I could see coming a mile away. Uh, the reports from training camp, I think, were the most damning thing where he was treating them like they were college kids. And and I said immediately that that's not going to fly in the NFL. You have to adapt to who you're, you're coaching. And, you know, pl- coaches like Joe Judge, uh, who should be under fire, and I know that there's rumors that he's getting another chance next year, which I think is absurd. That type of leadership is just not going to work anymore. Uh, Bill Belichick gets away with it because he wins. And Bill, no one likes playing for Bill Belichick. That's the thing. Like, it, No one wanted to play for him. I don't think players really like playing for Joe Judge. And I could be wrong. Maybe they do like that type of uh, disciplinarian. But that's what Urban was. In terms of the scheme, I actually thought that some of the stuff that he was running was working. Their their run game was effective. Now, is that the product of the players that they had? Yeah, until they put the best ones on the bench. Uh, I also think that losing DJ Chark was massive for them. I think he was a big part of that offense. But yeah, Urban just was kind of destined to fail. I think he pulled a Quinn Ewers. I think he said, I'm going to go get my money and then... I'm going to cash out. There's no buyout. I should get all this money. Uh, however, when you're fired with cause, it, it turns out that that does not happen. And so I, I think he's probably not losing too much sleep over this. I, I think the opportunity to coach Trevor Lawrence uh, excited him for about a day. And then even then, uh, you know, his, his time in free agency, he basically said, I have no idea what these guys I I thought I could just recruit them well if you don't know what you're doing maybe learn or put people around you that know what they're doing and I think that was the main failure yeah can I'm gonna make it I want to I'm gonna defend Urban Meyer a little bit I know it's gonna be weird coming from me but he's 187 and 32 in college and he won three national titles so can we stop on Twitter saying that he's a terrible coach and that he doesn't know what he's doing. And from people who have never probably coached one thing in their life, like I'm sure, and I know that you don't have to coach to know, but you kind of do. I'm going to be that guy. You got to know that this is very difficult to do what he's doing. And yeah, he didn't, it didn't work out. And we know that for whatever reason, like they just mentioned, but he's a good coach, you know, and he was one of the most winningest coach in college football. There's a reason why this dude is that because he is that. And even towards the end, you know, people forget in 2018, he went 10 and one. It wasn't like he, he won the Rose bowl. They did all the, the, that stuff that he needed to do. I know that he, he left, but 
he's a good coach. It just didn't work out in NFL. And that's that's okay. That happens sometimes. We've seen it. Spurrier, like remember old school. Jeff remember Spurrier back in his heyday. Uh, like those guys, sometimes they just don't they don't work out in the NFL. Um, but stop saying Urban Meyer can't coach because that's just revisionist history. It's bad, 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 just everything, analysis and all of that. What do you think of the mindset of like college coaches? And I, we've seen this a couple of times, like, you know, uh, they talked about like, I think Dabo has a realistic shot going somewhere like the Raiders or something. Um, these other college coaches that are coming out. I, like you said, Christian, I feel like if they don't have the urban Meyer type, like attitude, like I think Dabo might be able to work because Dabo has that weird, I don't know, that weird Southern charm type of thing where he could probably do it. Uh, these guys that come out of that, I think Kingsbury's done okay. Like we've seen him do okay there. I think he's got the personality for it. Uh, do you think that there is something with that, or is just basically, hey, we see a lot of misses from all kinds of different angles, NFL or NCA, Christian? Yeah, I mean, I th I think it can work, but I do think it takes a special type of leader. So, sure, maybe at the college level, you have to be more disciplinarian because those guys need more discipline, right? They're still learning the game. And you can still be a teacher of sorts at the NFL level, but a lot of what coaching at the NFL level is, is managing your assistant coaches and, and making sure that they are holding people accountable and they are allowed to be the disciplinarians. And I think what we've seen recently in like, you know, it, it's not college to NFL guys, but just like Kevin Stefanski, one coach of the year, you can tell what type of leadership style he has. Brandon Staley is probably, yeah, I don't know if he's a leader uh, for it, but very good coach in his first year. And you can tell what type of leadership style he has as well. That like player centric, uh, I'm going to take accountability for all of these things. That's important today. And I know it sounds crazy and I sound like Jeff, the boomer here. Um, but like when you're dealing with Gen Z and when you're dealing with millennials, that's the type of stuff that you have to have. I think a lot of college coaches do lead in that way. You know, Matt Campbell, I think there's a reason he's been in in a lot of NFL circles because you can tell that that's how he leads. I think that's more important than scheme and and things like that. You just have to be a likable guy that actually knows what you're doing. And I think Urban did know what he was doing at the college level. I think what happened was he didn't really know what was what was going on at the NFL level, and he didn't really try to to know. And I think that's you might get someone who doesn't have any NFL experience, but they've been there as an assistant, like a, a Ryan Day, for example, or they just actively attempt to learn and urban didn't want to do that. So, but I think it can yeah. happen. We'll, we'll get some successful coaches from the college to NFL level. I think. Yeah, no, I think so. And, and I just want to point out Austin from uh, campus of Canada is, is put in here that, you know, Kingsbury loathed recruiting, but he loved coaching. So that's probably a perfect example of who can make the switch. So, and I agree. And you know, what's going to happen is, you know, how many people are going to hate recruiting now because of all the new recruiting rules and NIL and everything like that. We're going to see a lot more college coaches being like, Hey, maybe the NFL does sound a little good. And so we're going to see this, we're going to see this kind of shift there. Go ahead, Jeff. I know I cut you off. Well, yes. Yeah. First off your point on Kevin, Urban Meyer had the best resume of any coach that was hired last year. So yeah. this revisionist history of, oh, I knew that was going to fail. It, no, he, he had the best resume of any coach. And Jacksonville made a big splash on that hire. And I can't blame Jacksonville for making that splash. And the other thing, too, is this guy has won at the, at the second highest level over the last 15 years. And he's going to the worst team in the league. So 
you know, it's it's great to make Urban Meyer jokes and whatever else it might be, but at the same time, like Jacksonville is a horrendous football team, and if these players aren't willing to buy in, that speaks to a cultural problem that was there before Urban Meyer came in. Yeah. So it's one of these things that, yeah, it's it's easy. Let's ha- make the low-hanging fruit. Let's make the jokes, and, and I'm trying my best to divorce the idea of – because when I see Urban Meyer – Prior to this past year, I saw a guy who came into an Ohio State program that I don't know if stagnant was the right word, but they weren't doing the things that they needed to do to win at the highest level. Recruiting under Jim Trestle was essentially let's invite the top 30 kids from Ohio. Whoever says yes, great, let's sign them up. and, And then maybe we'll try to patch in some cracks from wherever else we know people. Urban laid the groundwork and the infrastructure that has that gave Ohio State the 2015 national championship that probably would have won the 2014 national championship if Gene Smith didn't drop the ball horrendously on going to the Gator Bowl on a six and six team so that an undefeated team didn't get a cakewalk national title game against Notre Dame. And and he's put it to the level where it is now. So, yes. Make your jokes if you want to, but the idea that Urban Meyer's forgotten more about football than most people on Twitter that are making jokes about it. So that is what that is. Now, Christian's point and your point on I, – I do think we are seeing a shift in college football because NIL is going to change it. The transfer portal is going to change it. So the old-school disciplinarian approach – that I think that's going to phase out. And, and I think that you're going to see a lot more successful guys that are bring that same mentality to, to the NFL. And yes, yeah. Bill Belichick is the only guy that gets away with it at the NFL level. You know, Nick Saban, I think Nick Saban's probably softened over the years, um, but I'm sure that he can still get on a guy when he needs to. But you're going to see a lot more of that mentality of, and this is kind of why I thought maybe Urban would succeed of being that CEO and knowing how to put the pieces in place. I kind of thought he would do a little bit more of that than I think his ego just got in the way. And, and I'm sure he was frustrated going to a losing team, trying to turn do things that have worked in the past to turn him around. And the players essentially laughed at him immediately. And so I think that let's not not blame the Jacksonville Jaguars because that team was a dumpster fire before he came there and they are still a dumpster fire. So yeah, he didn't work a miracle though. You know, it, it is what it is. I think going forward, I, I don't, I think that there will be a shift in mentality of college football coaches and it will play into being successful NFL coaches. And I think more than anything, the way you treat people, the mentality of the coach, getting players to buy in, it's maybe not even scheme is the right word, but game management. We see it in the NFL all the time. If you've got a good coach, a good quarterback, and a good kicker, you're probably going to be a good team in the NFL. But there are so many times that it comes down to managing the clock or understanding these decisions that are plaguing the Baltimore Ravens right now. And I can't blame them for trusting the analytics and and going for that. I think that's the right call. They just failed in those instances, but it's one of these that the the sport is shifting and sport of college football is shifting more than any time in history. And and kids are too. So as a, as a teacher and as a coach, I'm going to tell you right now, it is like, even as a coach, me, I've had to change my philosophy of just how you talk to kids, like, and just kind of, you know, there's a, 
and I, and I think it's good. There's an influx of like mental health awareness, but that definitely changes how coaches can coach it. You know, if you played back in the day, you didn't get the same type of coaching now. So you're going to see this kind of influx of where it comes from. And I think that has to do with what we see with like recruiting and what we're seeing right now with everything. I mean, these kids are different and you have to adjust. And if you can't adjust, you're going to burn out because what's going to happen is like what we saw with Urban. It's like, well, hey, this is how you are successful. This is how I've been doing it for 20 years. Doesn't always work that way. And you have to kind of adjust and change. And it's harder for the older. And I understand it. it's harder for me as a coach, too. Um, all right. We're going to shift gears a little bit, get into some of the bull games and some of the reactions that we had. We've had some fun games. There's a really good game going on right now. If you're listening on Tuesday, it's uh, UTSA and San Diego State. Uh, what are there any players? I know you guys picked a couple of these guys, so you could talk about them if you wanted. Uh, but Christian, has anybody stood out to you from the from the bull week? Man, uh, Tyler Algier going for 27, 192, and three touchdowns. That's kind of the the performance that they needed. Um, yeah. you know, I, the the main thing I want to talk about with Algier though is I have not seen a declaration for the NFL draft. He has two more years of eligibility. I think there's a chance that he goes back to school, but I kind of think it's a bad decision. I think that, you know, I was, I was out on Algier heading into this year. I, I questioned a lot of what he did and how translatable it would be, but he yeah. proved me very, very wrong this year. I think this is a day two running back. And I think that we need to see a declaration and going back to school, you know, yeah, you might run for 1500 yards, uh, but maybe in your last game, you tear your ACL and then you lose your draft capital and, and then you may lose your opportunity. And so I hope that he declares, I'm glad that the bowl game is out of the way. So now he can focus on that decision. Uh, but yeah, just an impressive, impressive performance. Uh, anytime you almost eclipse 200, it's pretty good. I'll take that. I, I haven't seen him declare either yet. And that's kind of the thing. Like, is he going to come out? He needs to. Like, I think he needs to, especially in this class. Uh, he could yeah. jump from there. Uh, Jeff, who do you got? Uh, Rasheen Ali was my guy last week that I yeah. called out. And, you know, he went for 160 and three touchdowns. He looked great. Um, and then Bailey Zapp and uh, Jarrah Stearns with Western Kentucky. They put on a show again. And I believe didn't um, Bailey Zapp set the single-season passing yardage record? And Yes. I, and and part me. And touchdowns. So part of me wonders, as we see all this movement within the portal, I understand that there's a, and I don't blame guys for not wanting to go down a level when you're at power five, it's completely different than even the G five, but you have to wonder if, if he can catch any sort of draft capital off this, if it's going to kind of push some of these guys that we have questions about where they're going to play. Maybe Western Kentucky is might be a destination where a guy can say, I could put up gaudy numbers and I, I can raise my stock and potentially get drafted. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of Zavi, Christian? I know you've talked about him. Backup? Yeah, but I mean, I, I think that this is a potential high-level backup, uh, which I wouldn't even say that about some of the top guys in this class. Like, Say Malik Willis doesn't hit his ceiling, that's not a high-level backup at that point. That's just kind of a, a wasted roster spot. I think Zappy he does see the field really well and he processes really well. And you know, I'll give Mac Jones all the flack because he deserves the flack. Uh, but one thing that he does is he sees the field very well. And Zappy reminds me of him in that aspect. He's not as good, but he has a pretty deep ball. And so if you could throw a deep ball and you can see the the field. 
Uh, I do question his ability to throw outside the numbers. I don't think he's got a very strong arm. And I put a lot of weight on arm strength. I think it matters. But I think we could see uh, maybe a day two guy here. Uh, third round type of guy, just a flyer. Reminds me a little bit of like Cody Kessler, the year that the Browns drafted him, unfortunately. I think there's something to be said for reps. Um, and I think with, you know, Gardner Minshew might be the, the test case for this where, it, and he's got an arm that he can make the throws, but there's something to be said for these guys that throw the ball 50, 60 times a game regularly because they're seeing diagnosing coverage and yeah, there's a gimmick level to it, but at the same time, I think reps are more important at the quarterback position than any other position. And and especially when you're talking about a backup that has seen and played in a lot of football that I think that translates to at least being a backup on an NFL roster. Yeah. He, you can't argue with the stats that he's put up. Like you can't argue with what he's done and he's, and Hey, listen, I'm watching Garrett Gilbert tonight. So I think if Bailey Zappi, if Garrett Gilbert can be out there, Bailey <laughs> Zappi can at least play. He's somewhere like there's, there's a reality in that quarterback areas out there. Um, and we've talked about in the show. There's a lot of bad quarterbacks in the NFL. Like if we're being honest, the, the talent of the NFL quarterbacks are not there after the top eight, it gets really murky. Like, Hey, who are these guys where they're at? Um, unless you're a Joe Burrow truther. And then you think he's top three. Um, all right. My guy that I like, and it's, you know, I say I like Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina. You know what? He had, you know, he had seven catches, 96 yards and two touchdowns. I really, I've really been on this kid. We've talked about him on the show a lot. You know, he finishes the season with 59 receptions, 912 yards and 12 touchdowns. He looked, he's looked great. He's bit, he's put on muscle mass. You've seen him at 6'4", 240. Uh, and that's up there. I think he came into school at 180. So this kid has put on a ton of weight. He's worked hard. He's a senior. I know he's going to the senior bowl. So that's something to watch and see how he kind of competes there. I like this kid, especially with this tight end class. I think he's an interesting athletic tight end from that position. Probably like a third round rookie pick. I'm assuming he's going to be in there where you draft him, depending on where he kind of goes and draft capital. I know you put your tight end rankings out today, Christian. I can't remember. Was likely on there? Where'd you put him? Oh, that's a great question. I believe he's four for me right now. Okay. Uh, yeah, I do like him. I do, you know, I saw some people hyping up his blocking ability. It's not technically <laughs> it's not technically sound like yeah he might get into guys but he's playing at coastal carolina and he's playing coastal carolina competition the senior bowl is going to be very very impactful on what my final like blocking grade is which i know sounds crazy you can't take all that from the senior bowl but the one-on-one -on -one reps are very valuable things and I, if you guys don't watch uh, or see any of the clips from the senior bowl i highly recommend seeking them out when it happens it's it's very uh, a good look at those guys versus the top level competition likely though I, he's gonna test well he, he's an athletic dude and yeah even though he runs really funny like the dude he, he looks so funny when he runs uh he gets it done and he can jump out of the gym and so i think you're gonna look at potentially a day two tight end that does have the pass catching ability i i if he tests poorly though then we're looking at a day three guy and then i get a little nervous but I look I funny writing too, Christian. Just fine. I do too. There. Yeah, I look awful. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> Jeff, what were well, you going to say? I, I was just going to say that um, he's not a he's not an NFL tight end. But the thing of it is, is we know that this is an, a copycat league, and you know we see the Cordero Patterson emergence, and we see Debo Samuel starting to be used in a hybrid role, and I think that 
as we see, you know, maybe come some of it coming up from the college game and, and the spread, but I think there's starting to be a willingness in the NFL level more so than the past of looking at some of these guys that wouldn't traditionally fit into a normal role and saying, well, these guys are just football players and they're athletes and let's figure out how to use them instead of just saying, well, he's not my 265 pound blocking tight end that can occasionally catch something down the seam. And so he's a guy that could really benefit. Granted, yeah. it's a completely different position, but it's one of those that it just changes the mindset within the league of guys that are able to make plays. Let's see if we can work with this guy and let's see if we can fit him in here. And, you know, Kevin, you made a great call on Brevin Jordan. That's a guy that really fell down draft capital. But as he started to emerge towards the end of the season on a Texans team that is looking desperate for options and, He's start, He's. I think he's got the second most touchdowns out of any rookie tight end because he's shown himself to be a playmaker. I still believe that. I appreciate you bringing up my boy Brevin Jordan. Yeah, I, I think that likely could be that, right? And then you're looking at, hey, how are they going to use these guys? I, I look at uh, how Granson's being used right now, which not very, not yet, but I think he will. I think that they're developing him, especially for that blocking. So like Christian talks about, blocking really matters. And I think that's one area that we have to talk about with tight ends. And can he do that if he shows it at the senior bowl? I think sky's a limit, in my opinion. I think those guys are there. Uh, I like that you brought up Jared Stearns. I think Stearns can play too. Like he's very yeah. good. 13 catches, 184 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, and that wasn't just the offense. Like, He's a solid receiver. Uh, and if you're looking at like kind of those, those, those sleeper picks there. Uh, and then the other guy I just want to mention, we, uh, you know, Grace McCall, 315 yards and four touchdowns. He's coming back. He says he pisses. Uh, what did he say today? He pisses. Teal. Uh, Teal. Teal. So he's, he's back. He's going back <laughs> to. He's pissing Teal. He's pissing Teal. Yeah, I know. As soon as I hit 30, I started pissing some things like I'm in trouble. Uh, <laughs> then we got uh, Devin Tompkins. Devin Tompkins as well, six catches, 115 yards, and one touchdown. He'll be an interesting profile. I have a feeling analytic guys are going to hate him, but uh, we, we don't care about that. All right, and anybody else that you wanted to bring up? Yeah, we need to talk about Malik Willis. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to. I, I already <laughs> mentioned him. Uh, Malik had a really good game. Malik had a really good game against a Mac school. Like, we need to we need to relax. He was throwing on air. He, he threw some nice footballs. Uh, and he showed his athletic ability, but again, best athlete on the field. Uh, but he performed well. It's going to get people excited. I already saw people saying he's locked and loaded in the first round. I don't think that's the case. I think the senior bowl is going to expose that a bit, but credit where credit is due. He, he beat a Mac team in, in a bowl game. So good job, buddy. Well, Jeff said it perfectly. Jeff, go ahead. Well, do you remember yeah, what you I said? Mean, you say a lot. You talk a lot. So I just I, didn't know I if you knew exactly which, <laughs> well, which part I was talking. I mean, about. I the part where I said that he is an SEC level starting quarterback playing at Liberty and playing for Hugh Freeze, or the part where I really want to get rookie drafts in because I think one, yeah. that he's going to be going in the top right now in Superflex drafts, at least yes. from the mocks that I've seen. He's going like top three, top four, top five. It just feels like he's going to go down from that point throughout the, the season because I, I too, I don't see a first round quarterback when I look at here. And I think that I, I have a tough time figuring this class because part of me says that teams get desperate for quarterbacks and quarterbacks go early, but we've also seen drafts where the teams have kind of, and, and this is the way that I think we all kind of feel like with this draft where the talent on the, the lines are so good 
and the difference between maybe the first guy and the fifth guy isn't massive. So we've seen those be devalued in the past where those guys that normally you would think would all would go top 10 fall towards the back of the first round. And part of me thinks that yeah. if teams are smart, that we'll see some of that in the draft this year. Um, but also at the same time, we know that teams get desperate for that quarterback answer and guys start to go off the board. And and as you see them go off, you want to grab one. Yeah, no, that's the that's the last point I wanted. Like if you draft an early, because I know some do this. I know some some guys draft before the draft. That's that's for the value where you know kind of like okay, Malik's gonna go a little higher. You know, Malik before the season started, he went the 101 in my Debbie draft that I've been doing for four years. So that was where his value was before the season. I think it'll go back up like you've been mentioning, and then you can you can really pounce on that. Uh, let's get to some transfer portal news because I think there are some things that happened today that were pretty interesting. Uh, something that we've been talking about, I don't know, I feel like for the last three weeks it finally happened. Jameer Gibbs goes to Alabama. Interesting. I think this is amazing for them. I mean, doesn't have a lot of mileage on there. Alabama just keeps getting richer as Saban knew it was going to happen like that. And you got Gibbs now. So Gibbs is going there. Is there any foreseeable way you would think that Gibbs could maybe supplant uh, Bijan Christian if he has a Heisman type season? I mean, some people have it that way already. I I don't think so, though. For me, you know, I I think Gibbs is my three right now in that class. I think that we need to factor in that Alabama traditionally likes a committee, and they have some good backs there, and they have more good backs entering the room which, you know, maybe a couple of them transfer out, but I don't think that Gibbs is going to get a Heisman level workload at least. And I don't, I think that'll keep his value lower. Uh, But this, I mean, the touchdown upside for him now is just berserk. Like in C2C leagues, he should go in the top three, top, top two, Mm. three. Yeah. Five. I don't know. He's probably four. If I had to guess, I think he's going to go. I think it goes Bijan, Travion, Bryce, Gibbs. I would assume that's that's going to be your four somehow. Like there's going to be something in there. Yeah, that makes sense. The the real question is going to be how that room shakes out because are these guys going to, you know, Wheaton and McClellan, are they going to be fine? Like this guy coming in as the starter and supplanting them, are they going to start to look around too for opportunities? Um, I know that we haven't seen any playoff teams have any transfer stuff. It's going to happen. But the, the thing of it is, is the moment you say you're in the portal, you're done. You can't play for your team anymore. So that's, a, I think, a big factor why we haven't seen any of these playoff teams have anybody transfer. But the way that things are moving around, you know that guys are going to move off of them. And so yeah. how that room shakes out, are these guys going to go to another? Because there's plenty of, of schools where these guys can go and play and you know, it's not Alabama, but at the same time, with Jameson Williams last year is a great example where he was kind of stuck, and then he goes to a parallel or a slight, slight bump up program, and all of a sudden he's skyrocketing his draft capital. I, I think the the school to watch for with McClellan, and I know that Lincoln's not there anymore, was Oklahoma because McClellan actually flipped his commitment the last day to Alabama. And Oklahoma was the school he was committed to for a while there. And, you know, Oklahoma needs – well, they got Gavin coming in. Uh, and they obviously – well, they have Eric Gray, but, yeah, they got Eric Gray. So you can maybe see, like, that that transfer going there. I think, yeah, I think Gibbs is fine. Like, I think this is – he's going to get the workload you like to see. I don't think this changes a ton. 
uh, for his his prospects. You're still going to get him in the top five. Uh, and I don't think it, I think it's great for Alabama, though. I, they're going to be um, they're going to be very solid uh, next year. They're not going to lose a game. But the thing of it is, too, is it could it's not so much that he could pass Bijan, but if he comes close enough that that yes. 101 isn't like the super prize that we, you know, many people thought it was. But the thing of it is too, the people that are moving on those things are very plugged in already. And so I don't think you're going to be able to get a huge value swing off of that. It's just one of those that, you, you know, you know, casual people playing C2C or Debbie leagues. They're, they're very plugged in, but yeah, it could kind of diminish that value of the 101 versus the 102 or 103 in the 23 class. Yeah. I mean, Hey, use this hype, go trade Gibbs for Henderson plus. That's what I would do. All right, let's go over to uh, Oregon. Oregon's got a quarterback boys, Bo Nix. He's back. He's ready to go. Christian's quarterback of the future. We know that we have this. <laughs> I said, this is the weirdest freaking move I've ever seen uh, for the portal so far this year. Cause it, it feels like a lateral move that helps no one. Like when you look at Oregon, they have Ty Thompson there. I, I don't know if Bo Nix is really – they got Butterfield, who I know you guys like. I, I'm not as high on, the, on him as, as you guys. But they got guys there that I feel like if they're not better than Bo, they'd still give you the same kind of chance to win, if that makes sense. Uh, Bo going to a spot like this, I guess maybe you're looking at it. I know reports are out saying that Thompson maybe wasn't ready, you know, those type of things. I feel like it's a weird spot for him to go to, too. What did you make of this thing, Christian? Yeah, I mean, Bo, Bo was impressive for a, a little while this year, and I know how crazy that sounds and what the perception of Bo Nix is, and he still had his Bo Nix moments, right? But we have to remember that this is, what is I believe, his third year. He, he was a junior this year, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is the third year. He played all three years, and he took his lumps as a freshman and sophomore, and he took legitimate strides. And when you consider that mixed with the – the actual tools that he has, and they are, he's as toolsy as they come. I think that Oregon wide receiver room will benefit to some degree. Now, the the fallout in the quarterback room, I am very interested to see because I don't think both of those guys are even, I, I, I think one of them is for sure gone in, in Butterfield and Thompson, but I think both of them could go as well. I know it's a one-year thing for Bo Nix, but both of these guys have been, they, they've they've did their time on the bench they've done their time and so i think we could see some transfers out there and then how do they replenish that room because bo Nix did get hurt uh, i think twice this year uh and i i don't i think oregon might compete next year still they've got a lot of talent in that on that team and so i i i kind of agree with you though that it doesn't really help too many people i don't know how much it helps bo Nix. i don't know what the play is, but I think the play is let's go see if I can get some draft capital. And I think that there's a chance that that happens because Oregon will be on the biggest stage and they should be good and, and being good matters. Auburn really wasn't there. I think Oregon's program is in a similar state. And so I, I'm, I'm in, I'm very interested. I, I don't know how it's going to shake out though. I think you see Lanning coming in from the SEC as a first-time head coach, and I'm sure he's very familiar with Bo Nix being in the SEC. And and I know Auburn and Georgia are crossover rivals, so they're playing each other every year. And so I think what you see is a first-time head coach who wants to bring a guy that he knows and he's comfortable with. He wants to win year one. He wants to hit the ground running. 
and he doesn't know he's not as familiar with Thompson and Butterfield. And, and I think that from a talent aspect, from recruiting aspect and, and everything, we sit back and we say, well, we, let's these guys have a chance. But we know coaches think differently and coaches want to win games. And yeah. so he's looking at it as I'm going to bring an experienced guy in versus breaking a new guy in that I didn't recruit. And I feel comfortable with Bo Nix and I want to win right away. And and I don't want to disagree with you, Christian, but I, I Bo Nix got benched by in what game? He got benched when they played. It was someone really bad, wasn't it? Was it Akron? Yeah, or it, Alabama it State or Georgia State, one of those schools. Like, and he did do better though. Like, I will say, like, he has looked better. I just don't know what he is. And he actually uh, has the COVID rules. He does have two years, so technically he could stay at Oregon for two years. Like, so there is a realistic like thing here. But I do think it has the SEC thing going on. I don't think it really helps or hurts anybody. I I just want Troy Franklin to emerge and. I think I'm going to be waiting for Troy. I, Troy, you're good. Please, please catch some balls. Uh, and maybe that offense will be better uh, when they bring him in there. Uh, we have some other guys on here. Some of them are disgusting. Uh, we could talk about a couple. Of, uh, there's four quarterbacks. I'll let you guys talk about whoever the hell you want. Max Johnson to Texas A&M. Dylan Gabriel to UCLA. Adrian Martinez for the seventh, eighth year of eligibility to Kansas State. And in our boy, Keaton Slovis to Pitt. So go ahead, Jeff. Pick one. You tell me, you know, I mean, you can pick two. I, I'm not really the leader of the show. Apparently, I don't really do anything here. I'm just here. You guys are the ones that get all the reviews. So who would you who would you like? Who do you want to talk about? I mean, I guess I feel like Slovis is the guy that we need to talk about because his draft stock completely plummeted this past year, and, and he's, he's going to pit. If Kenny Pickett, if he is catches the first quarterback out of the draft, then you know that that's going to draw eyes to the pit quarterback situation. And so maybe Slovis sees that as a time where yeah. the, the NFL says, well, I can he pick, pick it developed out of that program. Let's keep our eyes on Slovis here. Um, the other ones, it's just kind of, I mean, these are names that we know they are players that we're very familiar with and they're players that we're not very excited about. Yeah. So first, Slovis, uh, good landing spot. I'm actually excited for this. Uh, as you guys know how I feel about Slovis, but if Kenny Pickett could do what he did now, I know it took him five years and Slovis is heading into what year, year three. Yeah. He was just, yeah. Year no, this would be year four, 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 four. four. Yeah. Uh, if, if he can do even, you know, 70% of what Pickett did and then he stays another year, I think we could be looking at uh, shout out Travis May, a first round quarterback, and and I know how crazy that sounds, but Slovis does have more arm strength than Kenny Pickett, I think, or at least the similar level. I think that he does see the field pretty well, and they have similar struggles. You know, when when Slovis gets out of the pocket, I, I question his ability to create. When he's dancing around in the pocket, his lower body mechanics mm -hmm. suck. All of that I could say for Pickett. So I think they're going to maximize it, uh, his talent. And we'll see what Pitt can be. I mean, they won the ACC, right? So, so we'll see if they can do it. They are losing their offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple. He's resigned. So I think he's going to Nebraska. I think I'm pretty sure that's where he's going to end up going. So I think there is something there, right? Like, hey, maybe, you know, if they get somebody in there and now we have a different offensive coordinator. 
I, what do you think? So Jordan Addison, me and uh, somebody got an argument about today about his value now, his stock, especially like in C2C or whatever. Someone said, well, you know, he made Drake London look good. And I would argue that Drake London made Slovis look good uh, because he just threw it up and, and London went and got it. And Addison's a different receiver. Do you think Addison is kind of is, is I don't want to say is foolproof here, but do you think he's just talented enough? Slovis can get him. Slovis isn't that bad to where Addison's value doesn't dip too much. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think, okay. I, I think he's good enough to to make him look good again. I think that's a, a main thing too. He was going from one program with an elite wide receiver to the most elite wide receiver according to award winnings. So, okay. Uh, the other I, I did want to mention too the the one I wanted to talk about was Dylan Gabriel. Uh, I don't know how this makes sense unless they're changing their offense. I, I just don't see how he fits within that scheme. Now I know like he did a little bit of the same stuff uh, at UCF, but like I, I question how that's going to work. And I guess we're going to find out if they tailor the offense the same way, or if they go with the power or zone run scheme or and power, they, they, it's a run first team. Why would, if you're a, a potential NFL draft prospect, why are you going to a run first team? Well, maximize yourself. We so did see Chip Kelly have pretty decent success with Nick Foles um, in the NFL level. And I think that they have kind of similar players there where he's not bringing that, um, the run threat. Yeah. That's yeah. Fair. I don't know. I, yeah. Uh, again, these other guys, uh, I'm out. I'm out on Max Johnson. Uh, Connor Wiegman's better than him already. I know that I know that Jimbo's probably not going to start a true freshman because Jimbo's an idiot, but Max Johnson is not the answer. I, in my, in my estimation from what I've seen, I think that there's basically two guys left in that portal that we got to talk about. Cameron Ward is still out there. And according to his legendary uh, division two tapes out there, he, he's someone that we got to look at, but I don't know where anybody's going to go. And I'm surprised that no one's gone to Ole Miss yet. Uh, there, there's no, they haven't gotten anybody. I don't think in the transport, I haven't seen it today. Cameron Ward, maybe is that guy uh, or maybe not. Right. And so when we're looking at kind of where we're at with that, Harrison Bailey still hasn't gone anywhere. Georgia tech's not there. Uh, you know, two forty seven sports doesn't have it there. I still believe in Harrison. He, you know, Harrison's pretty much quarterback of the show now on this side, just if you cut it down uh, and, you know, Cameron Ward is still out there. You know, I know Jeff mentioned it in a pre-show, but is there anybody else out there or those two guys where you would love them to go to a certain landing spot? Now it's starting to get pretty dry. The landing spots are starting to get a little dry out there. And so now we're going to get concerned with, can they go find a starting spot? Well, I think you're going to see, like waves of the portal. And I, I think you see early guys that are just completely fed up or that guys are that stuck or a team that's not going to a bowl. And then I think you're going to see a second wave where um, I think there's a lot of guys that want to play in the bowl game and want to kind of see out their obligation. And so, like I said, once you hit the portal, you're, you're done, you're cut off. And so I think here in the next couple of weeks, it's almost like we're going to see a second flip. I, I kind of expect out of the portal or guys that um, maybe they are contributors, but they want to be more or maybe a position coach left and went to another school. So I do think you're going to see more, um, but yeah, Cameron Ward, you, you know, you kind of le- had a leading question there with Ole Miss and it kind of seems like that's where the whispers are, have him going. And certainly Ole Miss is a very exciting program and we hope that somebody can land there and step right in. And there's so many questions about him coming up that level that, that may 
might make a great match. Yeah. 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 I, I just want to see where Harris Bailey lands. I don't care about anything else. Uh, <laughs> the kid can throw the football. He can throw the football. And I'm excited to see where he's allowed to throw the football in real games next year. I, I hope yeah. it's somewhere. Maybe it's like a Western Kentucky. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Like, let him show off his arm. Let's do. At it. this point, I just want him to throw the football, like in a real game. Like that's where it's yeah, going to be. Exactly. Yeah. Let me see you throw a football in a real game. All right. Let's uh let's go over to our our games. We're gonna start in a little bit. We're gonna go over uh, sportsbook rundown. Christian's gonna run it through us, and we'll we'll talk about how we're doing these pick'em. Yeah. So Jeff, I do have a question for you. Uh, did this factor in the San Diego State score when you put these records in? It did not. We had 11 games we picked last week, and this was 10 completed games. So it doesn't matter, hypothetically, because while you are on an island on that one, you're still losing by two. Um, yes, for the week. However, <laughs> if San Diego State pulls this out, I have officially tied you on the season at 57 65 and three and so uh, we are awaiting that score it's only in the third quarter we'll we'll update you guys next week but kevin did win last week he went six and four uh he did an awesome bowl guide and that he so he's a cheater uh and he is right behind us now he's at 54 67 and two still Uh, bad still not great yeah hey hey three games and (laughs) we i we have some we have a lot of games this week so we're gonna get right into it we're gonna do the same thing uh same order every game First game, Missouri uh, versus Army. Army is six and a half point favorites in this game. Kevin, who are you taking? Oh, it's so hard to take Army against an SEC team. So I'm going to go Missouri and just hope Tyler Beatty just goes off. Yeah. Jeff? I, too, am going to take Missouri. I can't get that six and a half points on an Army. Who just lost the Navy, by the way. Yes. Yeah, I don't I don't understand the line. I think I think – the line it's someone someone messed up some numbers in vegas so i'm taking missouri as well uh it's right it's yeah it probably is vegas does weird things right yeah that's crazy uh next one north texas against miami of ohio miami is three point favorites in this game kevin who you take and i think i know yeah, for me, I'm going to take North Texas uh, just because of that rushing ability. I like their two running backs. We're going to talk about Ragsdale later. Uh, DeAndre Torrey has over 1,200 yards rushing. And I really can't bet on Gabbert, uh, another Gabbert. I have, a, I have a strong feeling against that. That's fair. Jeff? I would never take Miami, Ohio in my life. I'm taking North <laughs> Texas. Screw Miami, Ohio. Go Bobcats. Well, what is the Miami, Ohio beef? What is this? They are rivals. Ohio University is my alma mater, and our chief rival is Miami of Ohio. Well, I get that, and I know that you cheat on Ohio with Ohio State, so there's that too. Well, I grew up a Buckeye, and oh, okay. How, why did you go to Ohio State? <laughs> well, I mean, you want a story in the middle of the? I was just wondering. I was just like, I'm I, was, like... <laughs> I was from a small town, and Columbus seemed very big to me at the time, and uh, you know, Ohio University is an idyllic college town. It, I highly recommend anybody to go there and check it out. It is one of the America's premier universities, and it's simply so you didn't better, get in. That's what it's you, a better so you school. Didn't than, you didn't get in. Oh, That's, you got a better school than Ohio State. Ah, no, I oh, could. Okay. I easily right. could have got in Ohio State. Okay. Okay. Great, great sport management program. The original sport management yeah. program at OU. Shout out them. Uh, next game, UCF versus Florida. Florida seven-point favorites. Kevin, who are you taking? 
Give me UCF and the upset on this one. This game means more for UCF than it does for Florida. Jeff? I feel the same way with the new Jack Miller arrival in Florida. I think I'm going to take UCF as trying to pop an upset. Wow. All right. Oh, I didn't even say I picked Miami of Ohio for the last game. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Jeff. But, I, yeah, I was kind of feeling the upset as well for this one. So I'm going to take UCF. I just think, you know. Sorry, UCF. Yeah, yeah. Dan Mullen, he's, he's been gone for a while now. But uh, he, him not being there actually does impact how I feel about this. Uh, Memphis, eight-and-a-half-point favorites against Hawaii. Kevin, who are you taking? Memphis should win this game. They should. As long as they don't turn the ball over. Hawaii's actually ranked fourth right now in defensive turnovers. Uh, and they they get it after it and turn the ball over, but their offense is in shambles right now. Memphis should win this game. Okay, Jeff. Um, I'm gonna go with Memphis as well. I think they have better quarterback play, better offensive play, and eight and a half isn't that big of a number for them. Yeah, yeah, I would. You know, I I do get a little nervous because that Hawaii defense is kind of fun to watch sometimes. But I'll I'll go ahead and take Memphis. That's a pretty big line, but I do think that they're able to cover. Maybe win by a couple touchdowns. Next game, Georgia State six point favorites against Ball State. Kevin, who you taking? Yeah, full disclosure on this one, boys. I don't. <laughs> Ball State. I'm gonna go Georgia. Georgia State. <laughs> I'll take the favorite. Okay. Jeff. I haven't got there yet in the college football guy. <laughs> it, it has been it has been a very rough bowl season for the Mac. And while my heart is with the Mac, I'm gonna go with Georgia State. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. I think I also have to go with Georgia State. Uh this is a, a fun game to me. Um now Carson Strong skipping bowl games, playing in bowl yeah, he's games. Out. No, he's out. He's out. All right. Uh, Western Michigan, seven-point favorite against <laughs> Nevada. Kevin, who are you taking? Yeah, I'm taking Western Michigan. Nevada's lost, like, everybody off that squad because their coach left and stuff. So this game would have been cool, like, you know, two weeks ago. Yeah, I agree. Jeff? For all the reasons Kevin said, I'm go- also going to go with Western Michigan. Is Dubs playing at least? Uh, I don't I – th- well, Dubs is – I don't, let me check for you. Let me filibuster this right. by saying that I'm looking here to see if he is going to do it. Uh, no, I don't think so. He is not. All right. Then I'm taking Western Michigan. Uh, that's that's unfortunate. I hate that some of these bowl games do look better on paper before all the people opt out. Next game, Boston College, three-point favorites against East Carolina. Kevin, who are you taking? Yeah, so you know what? I'm going to be taking Boston College in this game. I think that uh, they're going to – I think their rushing attack is good. I think they can hold off East Carolina in this game. Jeff? I will go with East Carolina, assuming that all their players are playing, um, but I'll go with them. It's a tough assumption. Uh, shout out to Holton Allers. Uh, I'm going I'm to take East Carolina in this one, actually. Uh, Houston versus Auburn. Auburn's only two and a half point favorites in this game. Kevin, who are you taking? I picked Auburn. Every time I picked Auburn this year, they have lost. So I'm going to take them again and just see if this works. Maybe reverse jinx. <laughs> all right, I've lost yep. every single Auburn bet I've had all season. <laughs> I'm going to go. I, I think I, there's something fishy going on at Auburn, and it seems like guys are bailing out there, and so I'll go with Houston. Yeah, I was going to also take Houston. I, Houston's a good football team. Uh, they, they, 
they played Cincinnati pretty tough for a little while there. Uh, next game, Air Force against Louisville. Uh, Louisville's one and a half point favorites. Kevin, who you taking? I'm going to take Louisville. Malik Cunningham's healthy, right? He's rolling. He's rolling out there. If he's healthy, I'm oh, taking I, Louisville. I feel like we need to like have disclaimer. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> flip the uh, pick. It's like a week from now. Um, I'm going to go with Louisville as well. Cunningham, same reason. Yeah, I'll talk about that in a little bit. So I'm taking Louisville as well. Uh, Mississippi State, nine and a half point favorites against Texas Tech. Kevin. This is a tough game because that's a lot of points for Mississippi State because they're so hit or miss and hot and cold. Uh, I'm going to take Mississippi State anyway. I think Texas Tech is a good school, but they struggled down the stretch. And I can see Mississippi State in that offense just putting up some points. This is the Mike Leach Bowl. And I'm going to go, I think, you know, the guys are going to go out there for Mike Leach and Mississippi State is going to cover against Texas Tech. And I am going to take Texas Tech. Uh, I think that's just too many points. Um, I, I think Mississippi State probably wins this game. And then the last one, pretty good game here. UCLA against NC State. NC State's one-point favorites. Kevin, who are you taking? NC State. I'm going to take them. I think that they're a solid program that lost a lot of close games this year in ACC, and I don't believe in UCLA at all. Okay. I too will take NC State, and we're starting to get into yeah, you know, small schools are great, there. but the there. good ones are the big ones. Yeah, and I'll go ahead and take UCLA. I think uh, they had their ups, they had their downs. I will hope that they have some ups in this game, and it's a close enough line. It's pretty much a pick 'em. So pick 'em, yeah, yeah. That'll do it for the sportsbook rundown. All right, let's go over to Prospect Poker. We're going to play a little poker. We're going to play poker on the screen. If you listen on the podcast, we're just going to talk about some guys that are going into this bull week, the bull games that we just mentioned, uh, and some stars of the week and sleepers of the week. And like we've been talking about, we've been hitting pretty good on this uh, and having some fun with it and talking about it. Oh, hey. Uh, and so let's go, over to, uh, let's go over to Christian. We're going to start with stars of the week. So, Christian, who do you got this week? Who do you think is going to be well? Yeah, so my, my star this week is Malik Cunningham. We talked about him a second ago, but Malik Cunningham has had an interesting season. He kind of regressed uh, back to some of what we saw in 2019, but there are so many flashes from this kid. He's very, very dual threat. He ran for 968 yards in the regular season this year. I think that he's going to put on a show, and I think he's going to put the team on his back. All right, so our flip here, we've got a five of diamonds, a two of hearts, and a king of diamonds, and Christian flips up a ten of hearts. So my guy is going to be Jarquez Hunter from Auburn. We've seen Tank Bigsby hit the portal. We saw his backup Shriver hit the portal. There's really nobody left in that running back room. And so Hunter has come on as a freshman, and he's facing a big challenge. Houston was a top-12 run defense, and so it'll be interesting to see how he steps forward as the guy. Obviously, I picked Houston earlier, and but I think that what we see out of him could go a long way towards what we see next year. A queen of clubs. Yeah, my guy is uh, Seth Hennigan from Memphis. I think this is a big game for him against Hawaii because they're really kind of borderline. They didn't have a season that they wanted to have. I thought he looked well, especially because their running back got hurt. Uh, Brandon Thomas got hurt, and they had, they were throwing the ball like 30 to 40 times a game towards the end of the year, and they were really relying on him. And as a true freshman, it was tough for him, but he he, he battled. So if he can continue to do well, we can see Seth kind of stepping himself up. Then you're looking at a real C2C asset next year. If he has a bad game against Hawaii, though, he turns the ball over, they win. This could be like, hey, there's an open competition now. So this is a big game for him as a, as a quarterback. 
a 10 of clubs for Kevin. That's great. Nothing. Yeah. All right. Uh, my sleeper this week is not in the, the term sleeper is uh, we're going to be a little liberal with that, but Zonovan Knight for NC state is my sleeper this week. I think that being a part of a, a two headed rushing attack all year, we didn't really get to see the best version of Zonovan and he's still in that, that uh, two person two headed monster. That is the NC state rushing attack. But I do think that he is the one that stands out in this game. I did pick UCLA, but I do expect that this will be a back and forth type of game, which will allow for Zonovan to, be productive, and I think he's going to have a good day. Ooh, yes. pair tens, ten of diamonds. Pocket tens. I don't think we've had a pocket tens in a while. Here we go. No. Um, so my guy is Keaton Mitchell from Eastern Carolina, and, and I know that's one of Kevin's guys. Kevin was one of the first ones on him, sniffed him out last summer, but he's really emerged as the lead back there in East Carolina. He's a great C2C asset and a guy that he kind of falls in that weird spot where – I don't know that we really project him to the NFL, but at the same time, the college production is fantastic and he's going to keep rolling and a Jack of spades. That's nothing. That gives you too bad. Yeah. That gives you nothing. Yeah. I love Keaton. I think that's a good call. I've I've been a big fan of his, uh, my next guy's from North Texas and that's, gosh, I'm going to really butcher this first name. I think it's a Kaika Ragsdale. Uh, and he has looked very, very good for North Texas down the stretch here. He's, he has 511 yards and five touchdowns on just 89 attempts. And he's, he's kind of take over the lead back a little bit against UTSA number 22 at the, at the time, or number 15, I believe there at that time, 146 yards and two touchdowns. Those 511 yards really came at the end. Uh, they, they obviously have, you know, they have a good running back stable there. Oscar Attaway got hurt before the season. Everybody was high on him. I was too. So he's not going to have a complete timeshare next year. I mean, run it there. He's got DeAndre Torrey here. But the fact that DeAndre Torrey has 1,200 yards and he has 511, he's kind of taken over some of that 50-50 split in that backfield looks good. So Ragsdale's and I got to keep an eye on, especially in his bull game this week. He's got an NFL build, too, for what it's worth. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He played at Bishop Gorman. He can play. He, he's he's he, It's interesting, his, his offers that he had. He went to North Texas. An yeah. eight of spades for Kevin. So Christian takes this game. Well, then our next game, we are going to play a little bit of blackjack. The way we play blackjack is we deal the cards out. We flip. If you get a question, we do a trivia question. You get it right. You get a beneficial outcome. You get it wrong. You get a non-beneficial outcome. And Christian's just going to start us off. Ooh, a pair of aces. That's interesting. (laughs) Kevin is throwing up a 12. And oh, 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 that was close. Now I had, a, I had an ace and an eight, so I'm sitting on 19 right now. So, um, I think that leaves what Christian up first. Yeah, Kevin, you got a question for Hit him? Or... Yeah, <laughs> of course. Why would I not have My a favorite question part of the show? Like, this is <laughs> this is this is, of course. All right, now I got I got one right here. Uh, who is do you, okay? I'm gonna give you a chance. We'll say the top four. So top four coaches. Can you name one that has the most career wins in college football history? My bad, college football history. Nick Saban. No, not Saban. Oh, really? Uh, I thought he he would have made it by now. Well, shit, I'm looking at Wikipedia, but no, I don't think so. He's at 23. <laughs> Saban's at 23. Uh, the top four are John Gilardi or something like that at Carroll St. John's. Joe, Joe Paterno. So I thought maybe you would do Joe P uh, out there. 
Uh, Eddie Robinson at Grambling, and then Bobby Bowden. Bobby, Bobby Bowden was Bowden. the top five. I thought either Bobby or Joe Paterno you would you would get there. Yeah, I should have. I think you busted Christian. Thought. Yeah, that's super unfortunate. I do have okay. a question for someone. Well, give it to me because I got a question for Kevin then. All right. I have some holiday-themed questions because I, I wanted to be <laughs> yeah, in let's the go. holiday spirit. Uh, which country did – one day I'll learn. Yeah, yeah. Which country did eggnog come from? Um, Sweden. No, it's actually England. Hungary. Shout out England. Uh, England. Okay. Sorry, Kevin. I think that's a bust, but um, sure let's... is. All right. So that means, that means Kevin. We... Kevin wins. Every time I have an opportunity, I I, I flounder it. Yeah. Kevin it wouldn't have mattered. I would have busted it anyway. Good job, Kevin. You're, hey, you're back on the I'm back. I'm back yeah, on the you... totem pole. It's been it's been weird. <laughs> All right, here's a here's the thirty seconds, man. All right, so you know you know what I want to talk about tonight is uh, this whole analytics kind of argument that we everybody's been having. We're gonna start seeing it now. Once fantasy's over, we get back to these arguments of zero running back, and you know, or these crazy people that think you don't take a running back and C two or a quarterback and C two C within the first five rounds, or all these different things. But then you get the analytics guys out there, and they get very upset about kind of. I don't know. They feel they feel like they're not heard or not listened to or not understood. And then you have film guys that get mad and upset too. I think it's better just to understand that, you know, you got to use both in your process. Uh, what I do is I try to fill in the gaps. So I'm a big film guy because I love watching football. That's the whole point of this. Like I'm not trying to look at spreadsheets and stuff because that's just, that's just not who I am. If that's who you are, that's great. But for me, I like watching it. And so what I do is I try to use analytics to fill in gaps of players where I, I have question marks about. But if I can make a profile like Waddle was my wide receiver too, that was strictly based on film. That had nothing to do with analytics. And I know analytic guys didn't like him. Uh, so I, I do think there's there's some things about it. So like Sam Howe, I, I got into this thing about him not being a dual threat quarterback. Yeah, he puts up numbers. And if you look at his yards, yeah, he does. But if you look at it from a film perspective of what he does on the field, I don't see him being that. Now, what I mean by dual threat is I don't see him being like a real true rushing upside Konami code quarterback. He could have some functional athleticism and score some rushing touchdowns. He's not Peyton Manning, but I, I do think that we got to be careful with how we project things and how we kind of come off when we, we look at both these projects. And I think analytic guys can get very upset because they have a certain way they want us to be seen. And, and I think it's that math brain that they have, which is a lot different from my brain. I'm not a math brain, uh, but I think it's good to use both in the same uh, in your same process. So I don't want to take more than 30 seconds, which I already have, but I think let's be careful when we argue with people and do things like be respectful of how we look at the game. Cause I think there's a place for both of it. And I think we've proven that. Very well said. All right. Well, next week on December 28th, right after Christmas, we're going to be getting ready for the college football playoff. I'm excited. Jeff, are you excited? Oh, wait, you're not in it. Uh, so we'll be on at 9 30 PM Eastern until then I'm Kevin Coleman at the boys underscore 22. I am Jeff Bell at For Whom J. Bell Tolls. And I am Christian Williams at C. Williams NFL. And this is the Debbie Royale.